Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our God, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. Amen. A few weeks ago, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, I asked you to wonder with me about Mary and Elizabeth, the mothers of John and of Jesus. I asked you to consider Mary and Elizabeth as prophets, prophets bringing God's word to people. I asked you to wonder how having a prophet for a mother may have impacted their lives, what that heritage may have felt like. Today, we have two men all grown up in Luke chapter 3. Luke's gospel is the one that recounts the announcement of the angel to Zechariah, the father of John. We hear from Luke about the baby's dedication in the temple and the two elderly saints who greeted the family with prophecies of John's future. Luke tells us the only gospel story of Jesus' developing years. When a 12-year-old listens and learns and teaches in the temple. And then we fast forward to Jesus all grown up being baptized in the wilderness by that strange and prophetic cousin, John the Baptizer. I wonder what those growing up years were like for Jesus. I wonder what Jesus was doing in those 20 some years between 20 and 30 something. I wonder I wondered that until Kay Sojin introduced our Tuesday night group, book group, last year to a book called The Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pal, and it's written by the author Christopher Moore. Now you heard me right. I bet you didn't know there was a Biff, did you? Well, I gotta tell you, this is a funny, naughty, inventive, sarcastic, and sometimes just hilarious book. And I have to tell you, there's probably several copies of this book floating around in our congregation. And I, for one, would love to loan you that copy because this book was so wildly creative. It really got me wondering, how did Jesus begin to perceive who he was? And when did Jesus begin to grow in that knowledge and understanding of his purpose? Was it the stories his mother must have repeatedly told him, the stories that she had treasured and pondered in her heart over the years? Or was it that strong presence of God in their lives? Now, perhaps I'm mistaken, but I'd like to think that Jesus struggled with his knowledge of self I think he had questions, he had doubts about what he was to be and what he was to do until he reached this day of clarity. When he stood in line with the repentant sinners knee-deep in the Jordan River to be baptized and the signs of dove and voice confirmed his coming mission I think Jesus, like most of us, was looking for his purpose. 
And like most of us, it did not come with a sudden lightning bolt from heaven. Purpose came to Jesus in a growing, sometimes faltering, understanding of purpose. Jesus, like us, may have thought, this feels like the right way, and then he stepped off into that path. We call that our faith journey, don't we? And a journey is not a moment, but a whole lifetime. So I wonder, did those 30 or so years of Jesus' life up until that time in the river count for nothing? Did the important part of his life begin with a voice and the dove? I don't think so. Why did none of the gospel writers tell stories about those years? I suspect it's because they weren't really that remarkable. He was following God's purpose as he learned from the local rabbi, from his teachers as he played with his brothers and sisters, as he made friendships, and as he worked, maybe, in his father's carpentry trade. I imagine he had this growing sense of purpose. I imagine he dreamed the way nearly everyone dreams of what their future would be like. Purpose is something that unfolds over time, and it's rarely something we fully grasp at one moment because we never know what new episode is just around the corner in our lives. We can't always see what's coming up. What new opportunity or new challenge will face us in the coming tomorrow? In our rapid changing world, we will rarely spend our entire lives working at the same place. We also won't probably be living in the same place as our parents and grandparents did. So how do we find that purpose? Where is that purpose? Part of the answer, I believe, is that we have forgotten <laughs> that purpose or call or vocation is not, again, a once-in-a-lifetime decision that determines everything that's going to happen after that. Purpose is something that we strive for daily. What is God's pull in my life today? What will I do today to make a difference? Purpose, in its simplest sense, is being in tune with both the world around us and hearing God's voice. By God's voice, I mean that indefinable little nudge that says we're, what we're doing is the right thing. Jesus, I suspect, had many voices in his life. After all, his mom was a prophet, and she had had an angel visitor. I'll bet she had lots to say. Jesus also had a father, and relatives, and brothers and sisters, and friends, and rabbis. And they were all people that kept pointing him to the way that he should go. And then finally, as a young man, searching for his purpose. We too have voices in our lives, don't we? We want to hear God's, when we want to hear God's voice, we have to surround ourselves with people who know us, people who know our story. We listen, we observe, we hear that subtle voice of God's purpose in our lives. That voice that can be as wild as pointing us towards a new career or as tame as 
team is moving us to take on an act of service, to show compassion to a friend, to make peace with that tiresome relative, and to make a phone call, to write a check, to speak out for justice. When Jesus left his river baptism, he seemed to know what his purpose was, and he headed off in that direction. And that's precisely because he already had a sense of his trajectory, I think. The voice that said, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased, was just a confirmation of that. This conversation came up in Facebook a few days ago. Now, I know that Betty White tells us and told us that, that Facebook is a total waste of time. But you know, sometimes they do have some pretty cool stuff there. And I found this conversation, which I'm sure plenty of you have seen too. One guy says to the other guy, aren't you afraid of 2022? What it will be like? Everything just seems so messed up. And the other guy says, I think it will bring flowers. And the first guy says, really? Why? And the second guy says, because I am planting flowers. I got to tell you, I love that. Because I think that speaks to the purpose that God has for us. And it speaks to the interconnectedness that we have with each other and with God. We just need to figure out what we will plant. So today, we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. We also celebrate our own baptisms. Some of you may be like me. You don't remember your baptism because you were a baby or a toddler. But some of you may have very vivid memories of your baptism because you were a child or a teenager or an adult. Some of you have been dunked, some have been splashed, and some of you have been dedicated. This ancient ritual reminds me of the words from Isaiah that we heard this morning where God says to us, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Rachel Evans says in her new book, Wholehearted Faith, my baptism reminds me that I am a Christian because Christianity gives me a name that supersedes every other name the world will try to give me. I am a Christian because my baptism has declared that I am a beloved child of God. There is no failure, no sin, no accomplishment, no success that can change that. And then she goes on to say, baptism, like communion, reminds us that we cannot be Christians on our own. We belong to a community, a community much larger than the one that we can see right now. I love that. <laughs> and once again, Rachel nails it. <clears throat> Last Monday, I was out walking in the sunshine, make a path through some newly fallen snow. And I was thinking about what I would say today. And I was thinking about all of you and this church. An overwhelming feeling of thanksgiving and gratefulness came over me. I am so thankful for all of you my church family, 
my faith community. It's been a challenging couple of years, but we've made it <laughs> through to 2022. We've made it to a new beginning, and there are so many people that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Ben and Tara and their leadership. I am thankful to all of our administrative leaders and council members and all of the team leaders, and I'm thankful to all of you who have just shown up to be the church. Because it's pretty hard being a Christian all by yourself. For me, baptism is also about saying yes to God. Whether you say yes, or whether your parents said yes, or whether your church family says yes. Yes is a commitment to God. And it's not just a once a year commitment. It's an every day, several times a day, commitment to being a child of God. Being a child of God and a follower of the Jesus way is complicated. It's about purpose. Purpose that is just overflowing with the grace of God. 